Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new episode of Brahma Sports here on kpcradio.com. I am your host as always, Felipe Gamino. On episode three, we have a very special guest today. He is the current LA Pierce pitching coach. He is a former pro pitcher as he was drafted in the 2017 MLB draft by the St. Louis Cardinals. He played in here in the U.S., in Puerto Rico, in the Dominican Republic. And now he is a Brahma. <laughs> joining us in the studio is Alex Fagal, the coach. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. All right, so let's dive right into it. Of course, just some bio questions for you. How did you first get into baseball? Uh, good question. Yeah, I mean, I started playing baseball uh, pretty young, five or six years old in T-ball and, you know, kind of played my way through Little League and um, a little bit in high school. Um, I actually ended up getting uh, cut in high school my junior year and um, had the opportunity to come back, play through college and just kind of never looked back. What college did you play for? Um, I started out at Cuesta College in San Luis Obispo, and I was there for three seasons. Um, I got injured my second season, actually, so came back the third and then spent two more seasons over at UC Riverside after that. So while you were playing, uh, what advice uh, from your former coaches sticks with you today? Um, good question. Um, I think one of the biggest things that coaches tried to you know, give to me or instill in me in college, at least, was that sense of competitiveness and uh, work ethic, trying to go about things the right way. And um, in a lot of ways, you know, integrity is a huge part of that, too, and trying to make sure you're doing everything you can when coaches aren't looking. And um, so I think a lot of the, the big ones for me in college were actually mental cues and mental coaching. So share with me that moment. It was after your last uh college season at UC Riverside the MLB draft happens and we we have a history of Brahmas former Brahmas being drafted in the MLB draft I can think of three off of my off the top of my head there's Tommy Wilson Jonathan Lavallee Brandon Lewis who's now with the uh with the Dodgers organization uh share with me that moment when you got that that phone call when you got notified that you were going to be drafted by the Cardinals yeah, it's uh, actually kind of a funny story. Um, you know, throughout that whole process, you have the chance to talk to coaches and talk to scouts along the way. And, um, you know, I had an advisor at the time who was kind of helping lead me through the process. And um, I was under the impression I might have been selected a little bit earlier. And um, that, you know, as the draft went on and on, I started to get frustrated and there were other emotions that were going through. But um, I ultimately ended up taking a nap. And um, I was literally sleeping when I got drafted. And my girlfriend, who is still with me now, uh, she kind of shook me and woke me up and said, you just got drafted. And I had no idea which team it was. But uh, luckily, it was the Cardinals. And, you know, it was a, a dream come true, really. So it was just such an exciting moment. Got to call my family. And um, literally within minutes, I had members of the organization reaching out, trying to figure out flight details and when we could get started. So. Were there other teams that were showing interest in you, or was that the only team that really stuck out? Yeah, so there were 10 or 12 teams that had reached out with uh, phone calls or questionnaires and mm -hmm. um, just kind of gauged, um, you know, the evaluation process. So um, I had a good feeling from the Cardinals, but there were other teams that seemed very interested as well. So I really had no idea who it was going to be, and um, ultimately I'm glad it was the Cardinals. I feel like they were a very good fit for me. 
did your favorite team reach out to you or no? <laughs> uh, no. So growing up, I was um, actually a Red Sox fan. Never really knew why. I'm not from Massachusetts or Boston or the East Coast in general. But um, when I was young, I would always watch them and it looked like they just had a lot of fun on the field and really enjoyed the game. So I think as a young kid that resonated with me and um, I always grew up, you know, as a Red Sox fan. So, but no, they did not reach out. No. They did not reach out. One of the teams did not reach out. Yep. All right. So uh, share it with me when you got first to St. Louis, um, when you got two of the facilities, when you got to sign your contract, uh, did you feel nostalgia? Did you obviously, you know, like let that moment sink in? Um, yeah, absolutely. When, um, I first showed up there at the spring training complex and, um, just kind of walking around the facility, walking through the halls, you know, it's the same halls that a lot of, you know, great MLB players and all-stars and hall of famers have walked down. So, um, kind of a surreal moment and getting to meet a lot of the staff and coaches. Um, it was great. I think at that point it really kind of sank in. So, uh, very, very cool experience getting down there for the first time. So you were involved with the organization for a couple of years. Um, of course you met, one of the f most famous pros, Yadier Molina. Mm -hmm. What it was like, you know, to throw your pitches to him? Um, it was it was great. I mean, um, he was actually there in Springfield Double A baseball for a rehab outing. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of times, major leaguers will come back down to the minor leagues for an outing or two to you know kind of get their legs back under them, and then they go back to the majors. But um, his first day in town was the game I was scheduled to start. So. Um, I walked in and the thing with Yachty is he's one of those guys who's first to the field and last to leave, very hard worker, uh, still a very humble guy. And um, he was, you know, a lot of fun to be around, but just seeing the way that he was able to have that tunnel vision and focus and clearly was not going to get outworked. Um, that was something that definitely stuck out to me. So, was pitching your only preferred position or did you want to try out other positions? Um, I kind of played all around the field growing up. Um, a little bit of infield in high school and lots of outfield in, in high school and a little bit in college. Um, but by the time I got to UC Riverside, I knew for sure that my future was as a pitcher and um, I wanted to try to hone my skills there a little bit more. So you not only played in the United States, as I, was, as I mentioned in my intro, you played in the Dominican Republic, you played in Puerto Rico. Just take me to those two countries because, of course, baseball in those two countries, uh, the, the atmosphere is a little bit different, you may say, although they're huge baseball powerhouses. Of mm -hmm. course, the, the World Baseball Classic that just passed, yep. of course, is a proof of that. Uh, what, it was, what it was like to play in those two countries? Um, it was a really amazing experience, honestly. And um, the two were in some ways similar and in, you know, other ways, very, very different. Um, the first experience I had was there in Santiago, uh, Dominican Republic. And um, it was very humbling when you first arrive because it is still in some ways a third world country. And um, you see a lot of different aspects that you don't necessarily see in the United States every day. But uh, the rich culture and passion for baseball there is just unrivaled. Um, the atmosphere for the games, we regularly had anywhere from, you know, 8,000 to 20,000 people there at the games. And um, it was kind of an energetic atmosphere that I hadn't been around before. So um, for me, it was a 
growing moment and um, um, first time I'd really played at that that kind of high level of baseball. And then Puerto Rico was um, amazing. It's beautiful um, in a lot of ways, tropical, um, a little bit more, you know, more English spoken. So it was easier to travel around and be a tourist. And, um, you know, after being released from the Cardinals organization and then going to Puerto Rico, I got a chance to have this just amazing kind of experience to finish up my career. And um, it was, yeah, I will always remember that, uh, that winter. So when, of course, you're talking about Puerto Rico, of course, many of them speak English. Uh, do you feel like in the Dominican Republic, language was a barrier for you playing? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Um, I do know a little bit of Spanish, so I was <laughs> able to communicate enough with most of my teammates on the field and, you know, got to um, learn more about some of their interests and get to know the uh, the other people in the clubhouse and uh, staff and other personnel. But um, it, it was a little bit, you know, um, there's a lot of, uh, bilingual people that were able to help guide certain aspects, but, um, yeah, it also made me, you know, really kind of relate to a lot of the, uh, Dominican and Venezuelan players who come over to the U S and it's a huge language barrier for them too. So, um, kind of getting to see both sides of the coin there was, um, I think important for me. So while you were playing, did coaching ever cross your mind? <laughs> um, yes. So, I mean, while you're playing, you obviously are so focused on trying to be the best player you can and constantly develop and improve. But um, I've always had a passion for the game. And I think as time went on, I saw uh, more interest and, in, you know, wanting to pass on my knowledge to the next generation. So um, that's something that was always kind of in the back of my mind. And now it's more so in the front. <laughs> in the front when did you realize it was time to hang the glove um i had finished up there in puerto rico and there were some uh independent league professional teams that had reached out um but i was kind of waiting for another major league organization to take a chance and um that opportunity didn't necessarily come so i gave it one last shot there in um Milwaukee actually um, was the the site of our American Association team, but um, my body just kind of broke down, and you know I think my shoulder was finally telling me enough was enough. So um, it's in good enough shape to throw some batting practice to the players now, but uh, yeah, I think it was it was time. I knew. What team were you hoping would reach out to you for that one final ride? Um, honestly, really anywhere. anywhere? Um, you know, I guess if if I had made it to the major league level, that one last step, I would have liked to have been closer to the West Coast where um, I could see family more often, have family come to games and be able to enjoy that experience together with them. But um, at the end of the day, when you have that kind of opportunity, um, I would have taken it for all 30 teams. <laughs> so. so you would have played, you would have played for the Giants, for the Dodgers, for the Angels, for the Padres. You would have gone to any of those teams? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm sure that might not sit well for some fans here in Los Angeles, but uh, I would have I would have played anywhere. You would have played anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Especially that rivalry. Yeah. We all know what happened last year with the Dodgers and Padres. So <laughs> let's not dive into that. But anyways, yeah. uh, so once you decide to hang up the glove, of course, you know, you were looking at options, coaching came up, and of course, uh, 
now that you're the pitching coach here at Pierce College, Kim, how was that first conversation with Coach Bill like? Um, it was great. Yeah, I had been um, kind of referenced to Pierce College by a coach over at LA Valley, and mm-hmm. um, I had trained there a few years in the off season, so um, I had kind of built a relationship with a lot of the coaches there, and um, they let me know that there may be an opening here for a pitching coach, and um, really from the first time I met with Coach Pickett, I felt like it would be a good fit, um, and you know, haven't looked back since. So it's been a great experience getting to kind of pick his brain on how he sees the game and uh, learning new aspects all the time. So um, it feels like a really good place for me to start my coaching journey. Yeah, because he was involved with the A's organization. He, of course, involved coaching, COC, peers. Now he's also the coach for the Filipino national team as well. Uh, so had has he shared with you any experiences of what it has been like you know to be coaching at internet with the national team or to be coaching here as a whole um yeah a little bit i mean he he obviously has so much coaching experience in general and um being able to you know say that you are the head coach for a country and representing an entire country is something pretty special so um anything that i can take from him as far as you know, the professionalism that goes into it, coaching strategy, fundamentals. Um, there's just so many things that he can offer from a head coaching standpoint to other assistant coaches. So um, I've had a great time, you know, not only working with the team, but getting to work with both both him and uh, Coach Briscoe and uh, Coach Vince as well. It's it's a great staff. So now that you're talking about Coach Briscoe, Coach Jackson Briscoe, uh... He's he also the he was also the pitcher last season for the Brahmas, uh, and of course this starting coaching as well, helping out with the pitchers like you do too. So, what has it been like working with Jackson Briscoe? Like, uh, what have you seen in him? You know, because especially his pretty starting coaching as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he offers kind of a different perspective than the rest of us have, and being mm-hmm. a, a former Brahma himself, and you know, being fresh off the field and. Um, I think he's able to kind of relate to our players in a different way than the rest of us coaches can. And um, so that brings a lot of value to us and a uh, very hardworking guy shows up early, leaves late. Um, you know, it seems like he's always volunteering to help out in a different way. So um, it's been great to have him around and a uh, pretty easygoing guy, you know, someone who's easy to get along with. And uh, we've, you know, built a friendship over the time here. So, um, yeah. So let's talk about the season for a moment. Of course, the team just came out from beating Oxnard uh, in one of the two games in the doubleheader Saturday. They didn't want Thursday as well. Uh, of course, they ended up winning the series 2-1 against the Condors. Uh, but the season as a whole, once you start first start seeing uh, the pieces coming together, how have you seen the team perform and where do you think the team could improve on, especially in the second half of the season that's coming up? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, you know, obviously a pretty cold start, slow start for us. Um, a lot of things that just didn't go our way. And, you know, we had some health concerns and um, just various things that some were in our control, some weren't. And um, it's been great over the last five games. You know, we've won four out of five and uh, it feels like we're starting to kind of turn that corner and, um, in some ways, it's frustrating because we know this is the kind of baseball we could have played the whole season. But um, in a lot of other ways, this is an excellent time to catch momentum and run with it. So um, the pitchers have 
done a great job over the last five or six games really of stepping up and um, being competitive, throwing strikes, challenging hitters. And um, so I've been very happy with the way the pitchers have performed over the, the past five or six games. So you guys, so you guys have uh, Santa Barbara this week. Uh, why are you guys looking forward to playing against them? Uh, yeah, I mean, Santa Barbara, it seems like they always have a great team, um, well coached. And, um, you know, we had a chance to see them in the fall and um, we know that they're going to have some good pitchers. We know that their lineup is going to be strong and um, it should be a good challenge for us. So <laughs> we're looking forward to it and uh, see if we can't win, you know, another series. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so how, how have you seen the pitchers do this season? Um, I mean, it's been a lot of development. Um, some of these guys are, you know, they've been playing for a very long time and they're more fine-tuned and polished. And um, we have some other younger pitchers who haven't necessarily had the, the same number of games or innings. And um, it's been exciting to see the way that they have gone after it and, um, you know, tried to develop and get better each day. And um, for me, that's really what junior college baseball is. You're trying to get a little bit better each day and see where you end up. So. Um, I'm very encouraged by the way they've handled it and looking forward to uh, seeing how we progress here in the second half. What are your expectations? And how do you see the team doing in the room for the end of the season? Um, I would say I definitely have high expectations. Uh, we've, you know, we played some really good talent early on. And um, I think now, not to say that the schedule lightens up, but I think now we're more prepared for the schedule ahead. So, um, I think we just need to continue to kind of have the foot on the pedal and um, go out and, you know, attack. So Awesome. There you go. So uh, let's dive into um, the big baseball event that happened this this month, the World Baseball Classic. I'm sure you watched most of the games, especially mm -hmm. when the U.S. played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what did you think overall of the tournament? I know... Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner. I know uh, Ricardo Fracari, the WBSC president. Tony Clark, the MLBPA uh, executive director. Of course, they were there for the championship game between the U.S. and Japan, handing out the medals and everything. Um, but what did you think of the WBC this year? And do you think the World Baseball Classic, this World Baseball Classic, was better than the previous four? Um, Overall, I thought it was a great tournament. Um, and, you know, with uh, COVID happening in 2021, this was really a six-year break. So um, we hadn't been able to see baseball on this world stage for quite some time. And um, I think it was an opportunity for the more casual baseball viewer or someone who typically wouldn't watch MLB baseball to uh, be able to watch good competitive play from um, all countries throughout the world. And um you know, seeing that there were sites in Arizona, sites in Miami, there were games played in Japan, there were games played kind of all throughout the world. Um, it was a pretty special thing. So um, it'll be exciting to see how the MLB and uh, the international committees will be able to build off this. And I'm sure we'll see another very special product here in the next four years or so. The next WBC is in 2026 with the qualifiers potentially going to be in 2025. And of course, we're talking about the Philippines with Coach Bill. I mean, they were close to going to 2020, but we know COVID hit and <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. And then last year, uh, of course, they say that they were disinvited. But I mean, I don't want to dive too much into that because I mean, yeah. we don't get caught off the air. But I mean, yeah. uh, so 
Uh, which team surprised you the most? Uh, of course, uh, I gotta say uh, Mexico because you know I have Mexican lineage. Although I'm not a huge baseball guy, Mexico really surprised me a lot this tournament. Uh, but were there any teams in particular for you that surprised you the most? Uh, good question. Uh, Mexico obviously had a very talented team. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of great players from there, and uh, to see how they were able to compete, I think it was Japan that ultimately uh, took them down. And to see Japan go on and win the entire tournament, that you know, that shows that to be competitive with them, they were right there among the best in the world. Um, I thought Puerto Rico played pretty well. Um, uh, Venezuela obviously played some really good games, um, and it just goes to show there's such good baseball throughout the world. Um, the U.S., you know, struggled at times, <laughs> yeah. ultimately makes it all the way to the championship. And uh, really the outlier team this year was Japan. Just, you know, did not lose a single game the entire tournament, looked polished on defense, pitching. They were kind of the uh, the whole package team. And uh, to be able to put together and uh, have such a good performance throughout speaks very highly for Japanese baseball. Yeah, I was telling you before we were – before we went on, that that tournament had me at the edge of my seat. I'm not a huge baseball guy. I was just watching for the World Series and maybe some here games here and there. But that tournament really got my attention, especially the first game that I watched was Cuba against the Netherlands. That was a great game. Australia upsetting South Korea. I mean, yep. South Korea, they're like a powerhouse in this sport. Um, and, of course, seeing all the Mexico and USA games, especially how Mexico responded after losing to Colombia. Mm -hmm. which finished last in their group. I mean, Great Britain. I mean, yeah, Great Britain is not really a baseball country anymore, soccer, because I'm a huge soccer junkie. But I mean, yeah. so overall, do you think that Japan really was the team that deserved to win? Um, good question. <laughs> I think they deserve to win this tournament. But again, it just goes to show that there's so many countries with great talent and if you have all the same teams play next weekend, like it could be completely different. So um, that's kind of the special thing about baseball is any any team can win on any given day. And um, it was just great to see so many different countries show well in the tournament like that. Do you think that WBC is here to stay? I hope so. I really hope so. I think it's great for the sport. Um, I think it grows the interest in baseball internationally and um, – I would love to see it for many, many years to come. So, uh, how do you want to be remembered? Ooh, good question. We're getting philosophical now. Yeah, philosophical. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess as um, a good teammate, you know, on the field as a professional player, I would want to be remembered as a good teammate. And then as a coach, I would want to be remembered as um, someone who is helpful or influential and, you know, able to help players succeed. Um, ultimately, that's the way I view coaching is, you know, trying to present the best information and let players make the decision for themselves. So, All right. So we want to thank Coach Alex Fagalde for joining us here in the studio uh, for all updates regarding Pierce Baseball and not only baseball, but all the other spring sports. Make sure to check our social media platforms at Pierce Sports on Instagram at Roundup Sports on Twitter. You can also check the RoundupNews.com for all of your sports updates. You can also follow the radio show's social media platforms on Instagram and Twitter with the same user handle at Brahma Sports. That's, that's two S's in the middle. 
And of course, we want to send a special congratulations to the men's volleyball team for winning the first game of the season on Friday against El Camino College in straight sets. The first win under head coach Joe Arachiga. And we'll be looking forward to seeing how Pierce Baseball do for the remainder of the season. Thank you all for tuning in. And in two weeks, we have a very special guest joining us. He was the last men's soccer assistant coach. Yes, we had men's soccer here at Pierce back in the 80s. Yeah, so we have the last men's assistant head coach joining us here in the studio in two weeks. Frank Parodi will be here in the studio. Stay, stay, stay tuned for that one as well. This is Felipe Camino with KPCRadio.com. See you all after spring break.